seems as though we can look up as long as we're bent down on our knees. So family, we've had some losses recently. But God is able. And I tell you today, don't doubt him. Because not only is he able, he's willing. So don't doubt him. Trust him. And I always challenge people when they're having a hard time, when they're Minds are confounded with grief and pain that we would just keep saying the name Jesus, just call on his name. And the name Jesus is sufficient because God did allow the New Testament church. And it was in that New Testament church where he received the name, where they began to call him Jesus. So if you believe in the New Testament church, it's okay to call him Jesus. And there is power in that name. There's power in the blood. There's power in his life that he lived. He lived this life so we wouldn't have to struggle. He came as our example. There's power in his death when mere men persecuted him and crucified him and hung him on an old rugged cross. There's power in those three days and three nights that he spent in the borrowed tomb. There's power on that third day morning when he rose with all power. There's power in the fact that he ascended into heaven and is sitting at the right hand of God making intercession for us. But what we have to hold on to as equally as important is there is power, he's coming back. And it says when he comes back that he's coming with all those that have died and gone on home in Christ, that they would descend on this earth. Read 1 Thessalonians 4 when Paul was trying to explain. There's power in Jesus. There's power in everything that God had him to do on this earth. So believe in him and trust in him today. Our hope and our prayer is simply that our loved ones were saved. And when it comes to that, those of us who grew up with them, you remember the day when they were baptized, when they accepted Christ as their personal Savior. I won't go down the list, but for each and every person in this family uh, that has died, we were there with our siblings, we were there with our cousins, we were there with our the nephews, and all those who have gone on, our sisters and brothers, and we know that there was a day when they walked down to the front of the church. And they accepted Christ as their Savior. Hallelujah. And they were baptized. And that's the joyous hope that we have because the Bible says that when Jesus comes back to this earth that he's bringing with him all those. Hallelujah. So the challenge at this point, since they have gone home to be with the Lord, the challenge for those of us who are alive and remain is you make sure that your name is listed on somebody's church roll. You make sure your name is listed on a baptism certificate somewhere. You make sure that you have made Jesus the Lord of your life because God promised that we would see our loved ones again. So don't lose hope, family. Don't lose hope. We will see them again. Hallelujah. And the way things are going these days, we may see them sooner than we think. Hallelujah. And God has given us time. You see, the reason, the, one of the reasons that some of us haven't died yet 
is because God giving us time to get right. So don't sit around and mourn over those who do not. Make sure you get your life right. It doesn't matter if the preacher doing this and that. That's not the point. God say we should be the ecclesia that is called out one. It don't matter the little mess, the little family mess, the little church mess that go on. Don't worry about that. Don't, let, don't you let that run you from, from the house of God, from the sanctuary. You got to make sure, watch this, we say in the military, we got to make sure we all present and accounted for. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God, God a hand clap of praise real quick. Hallelujah. Come on, praise him. Even at home, I want you to praise him right now. Clap your hands for the Lord. Hallelujah. Tell God that you love him. Let him know that you love him. Let him know that you trust him. Let him know that you believe in him. Hallelujah. Amen. He is able to heal the wounded heart. Amen, amen, amen. And as we come in today, hallelujah, I come in excited, amen, full of joy, hallelujah. And to be, continue what we've been talking about, at the beginning of the year, we started a, a sermon series on uh, starting the year off right. Hallelujah. Starting the year off right. And we used what Moses wrote in that second book of the Pentateuch, uh, the book of Exodus, where we get our word exit from. And we looked at that last chapter in Exodus, which is chapter 40. Amen. And in chapter 40, we'll see, hallelujah, that uh, God, through verses 1 through 15 of Exodus chapter 40, God, it seems as though God walked Moses through the process at first. Moses was physically doing it, but God was giving him instruction right then and there in Exodus chapter 40, verse 1 through 15. It seems as though God was walking right side by side with Moses, giving him instruction on how to uh, build the tabernacle and all the artifacts. If we go back to chapter 37, we'll see not only did God give Moses instructions on how to build the tabernacle, but on how to construct all the articles that went in it. And my encouragement, what God asked me to tell you, was just as Moses followed those instructions ex explicitly, he asked me to come and tell you on that first week of 2021 that we would do the same, that we would start the year off right by following God's instructions to the letter as best as we can. Then we came back last week and we talked about repentance and we used Acts 2.38 uh, where uh, the apostles had just revealed to the people that it was them who had actually killed Jesus. Hallelujah. It was them who were the stiff-necked Jews. It was them who uh, would not uh, follow God's will in his way. And so the question uh, that they posed uh, to the disciple was, what shall we do? And in Acts 2.38, he says that we must repent, hallelujah, and be baptized in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So last week we talked about repentance. Uh, because the thing that God put on my heart for this year of 2021, that we would make this a year of repentance and revival. But before we get to revival, I don't want to be like today's church and just schedule a revival and go straight into revival. Because what I have been thrown, shown through the Bible is you must have repentance before you can have true revival. Now, it's okay to have a church service and call it a revival, but if, if you have a three-day revival, the first day needs to be a repentance service. Because there is no revival without true repentance. Repentance is us asking God for forgiveness. Repent. We said that the word repent came from the Greek word metanoia, which means to do a 180 degree turn, not a 360 degree turn, because we understand that a 360 degree, that's a turn, and you wind up right back where you started. He didn't even really suggest that we make 90 degree turns because even at 90 degrees, when you walk inside by side with your sin, you can still look at it. Hallelujah. But he says that we should make a 180 degree, which puts our back to our sin. We can't see it no more and we walk in a whole nother direction. Hallelujah. And we prayed last week. I asked that we would pray for two things in our lives that we needed God. We wanted to repent for, and we would need God through the power of the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit, to help us to be able to relinquish those things. And, and I'm going to uh, give you a praise testimony this morning that uh, the two things, I, I actually asked for more than two, because I have more than two sins in my life, and I, I, I actually asked for more than two, but I, I was proficient and in, 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 in successful in not touching those two things that I asked God to help me with this week. Hallelujah. Amen. 
And it was only through the power of the Holy Ghost, because it ain't like the thing didn't cross my mind. Hallelujah. It ain't like I didn't have opportunity to do it. But God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, allowed me to not uh, uh, touch or, or, or get involved with two of the things that I asked him uh, to help me with. Because I feel like those two things in my life don't represent God well. And I'm going to keep on praying that, like I said, I can admit to you, I had more than two sins in my life. So now that I have eradicated those, I'm going to pray to God to help me with the other, with, with some other ones. Hallelujah. Because when Jesus comes, I don't want to have nothing to hold me back. Amen. So us repenting is asking God for forgiveness. But, but watch this. But before God can forgive us, uh-oh. We have to forgive others. You see, that's why I say it's not good to just set up a repentance, I'm sorry, a, a revival. It's not good to just go, well, put it on the calendar. We're going to have a three-day revival. And it's good to have a three-day revival, but before you go into a three-day revival, you need to go into repentance. Hallelujah. Now watch this. I've been a Christian for a long time, since 1996, and I ain't never heard of a repentance service. Not the Protestant church. The Catholics believe in penance. They don't use the word repentance much. They use the word penance. And penance is actually doing some things to show God that you're sorry. Hallelujah. But in the Protestant denomination, I'm sorry, in the Protestant religion, we want to jump straight into revival. But I'm encouraging you today, before you jump straight into revival, because God can't revive you until you repent. Let's look at our scripture reading this morning, which is going to come from the uh, Old Testament, New uh, Old Testament book of Genesis. And in Genesis chapter 50, I'll bring you up to speed real quick on the story. We know the story very, very well. It's the story of Joseph. That beloved son, hallelujah. One of the boys of the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob's 12 boys. And the one before the last, Joseph, Benjamin was the youngest, but before him there was Joseph, what we would say in Hebrew, we call it Joseph in English. We know that Joseph was blessed. The Bible says that uh, Jacob loved Joseph the most and he made him a coat of many colors. And it says that Joseph had a dream and he messed around and shared it. Uh oh, that's the implication right there that you shouldn't share your dreams with everybody. Because everybody's not going to be happy about what God is telling you. And Joseph shared his dreams with his brothers, but his brothers began to hate on him. And the Bible says that they uh, put him in a pit. They started to kill him. But thank God for the oldest boy, Reuben. He says, no, we can't kill him. So they sold him into bondage to some Midianites passing by. Well, while he was in bondage, he wound up working in Potiphar's house. And you know the story about Potiphar's wife trying to grab Joseph, and that's where he lost his coat. Hallelujah. The Bible says that she wanted him so bad that uh, she was trying to grab on to him. The Bible says that Joseph took off running, but she still had his coat in her hand. So she lied on Joseph, amen, saying that Joseph tried to get with her when the truth was she was really trying to get with him. You ever had that happen to you yet, David? Hallelujah. So he wound up in prison, but that was a good thing too. God always have a plan, even if you wind up in jail, because Joseph met the cup, uh, the baker and the cupbearer in jail. And they got out of jail, and Joe, they said, anything we can do for you because you've been so good to us. He said, just remember me, hallelujah. And it took a significant amount of time uh, before the cupbearer did remember him, but the cupbearer told Pharaoh when Pharaoh needed a dream interpreted, he says, I know a man. So Joseph wound up interpreting that dream for Pharaoh, and Pharaoh made Joseph the second in command. The only person that Joseph uh, had to answer to in Egypt uh, was Pharaoh himself. Joseph was second in command in Egypt. Well, the story came about that there was a famine in the land, and all of God's people were hungry, and uh, Joseph's brothers looking for food, looking for substance, they uh, wind up going to Egypt. And y'all know the story. Uh, there was some trickery going on throughout the story. Uh, but the, end, the outcome of the story is, is that uh, finally that Joseph revealed himself uh, to his brothers. And we get to where I want to start today uh, on uh, 
our lesson today. Let's start at Genesis chapter 50, and I want to start at verse 15. Genesis chapter 50, and I want to start at verse 15. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 50, verse 15, it says that when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will probably, that's the word peradventure means probably, hate us. And will certainly requit us all the evil, requit or pay back. Hallelujah. Requit us all the evil which we did to him. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me stop right there and say this to America. You see, the reason why a lot of folk mad right now and scared is because they understand now that America is becoming more brown than white. The number of blacks, the number of Hispanic, the number of uh, Asians and Arabs that's in this country, uh, America is now more brown than it is white. And white folks start to realize that and they're scared because they think it what Joseph Brothers thought. Per adventure, they're going to pay us back. But I want to take this opportunity from the pulpit of God for any of my Caucasian uh, and white brothers and sisters who uh, may pass by this website and see this. I want you to know that our hearts as black people, our hearts are not evil. So we're not trying to pay you back with evil. So put your flags and your guns and your bullets and your weapons and your hatred down because we're not trying to pay you back. We just want to live a good life. Hallelujah. So just as Joseph's brothers thought per adventure that he would pay us back. Amen. Verse 16 says, And they sent a messenger to Joseph saying, Thy father did command before he died saying, So shall you say unto Joseph, uh oh, here I'm going to our word today. Forgive. I pray thee now the trespass of thy brother and their sin. For they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of God thy father. And the Bible says, and Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Verse 18 says, and his brothers also went and fell before his face. So not only did they send word to him, they came in, in present with him, and they said, behold, we be thy servants. Verse 19 says, and Joseph said unto them, fear not, for am I in the place of God? In other words, I'm not your judge. Verse 20 says, but as for you, you thought evil against me. But God made it for good. I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you time to shout right there. Hallelujah. I'm gonna give you time to praise God right there. What people are meaning for evil for you, I want you to understand that God is doing that for good. Yes, Joseph got thrown in a pit. Yes, Joseph got thrown into slavery. Yes, Joseph went to prison. But God had a plan because if he wouldn't have got thrown in a pit, he pit, he wouldn't have got put in. Repentance, 
God gives us a clean slate. But as the Bible indicates several times, before repentance and before revival comes, there has to be forgiveness. And we see here that before God can forgive us, we have to forgive those who we feel have done us wrong. But let us remember, forgiveness is initiated by love. Recently here at Sabbath Rest, I have actually uh, said that I feel personally that love and forgiveness are synonymous. Because you can't have true love without forgiveness. You can't have forgiveness without true love. There's a process in getting to revival. It wouldn't be prudent for us just to schedule revival services because there's a process that we have to go through to get to revival. And be mindful of the fact that we can't skip over any of the steps trying to get to revival. And when we're revived, that implies that God has given us his forgiveness. And forgiveness, I found out, uh, has many, many Hebrew and Greek counterpart words. And for time's sake, I'm only going to deal with a few, uh, especially those that, that is applicable to what we're teaching today. To forgive is Strong's number 5545. And those of you who are Bible and theological studies, you understand what I mean when I say the Strong's number. Strong's number 5545 is the word salak. S-A-L-A-C-H, salak. And it means to forgive or to pardon. To give a pardon. Another Hebrew word that means forgive is Strong's number 5375, which is nasah, which is spelled phonetically N-A-S-A, -A, but it's phonetically pronounced nasah, which means to lift, to carry, or to take, or to ease a burden. And the third one is the word kafar. K-A-P-H-A-R, kafar. And this word means, this Hebrew word means to cover over, to pacify, and watch this, to make propitiation, uh-oh. To make an atonement. And here, I like to break down, I was taught this, I didn't come up with this, I was taught this. I think Dr. Williams taught us this, that the way you understand the definition of the word atone is you break it down phonetically like we learned in school back in the day. You break it down by syllables and we, to atone means to A-T, at O-N-E, one, with God. The word atone means that Jesus brings us back to God. And that is the definition of the word forgive, is to make an atonement. is another definition of the word uh, kafah. To disannul. When somebody, so when someone has offended us, it's okay if we just disannul that. We did a class here one time uh, on taking offense. And I forget what the book was we, we, we used, but one of the illustrations was is that when someone hurts you or, 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 or you are angry at someone, that you must hold that in an open hand. We don't have to take offense just because someone means to offend us. That doesn't necessarily mean that we have to take the offense. Hallelujah. Amen. So sometimes when folk trying to offend you, you need to keep the offense with them. Let them feel bad about it, but don't you start feeling bad about it. There's three things that unforgiveness does. 
Because we need to be able to forgive so that God can forgive us. And once God sees that we have forgiven those that we are holding and harboring hatred in our heart against, once we relinquish all that hatred and all that anger and all that animosity, then we can come to God with a clean heart and now he would accept our repentance and now he can forgive us. But before God can forgive us, the Bible says that we first of all must forgive those in the prayer that the Lord told us who have done aught against us. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's three things that unforgiveness can do. You need to write these down. Because some of us are holding unforgiveness. Before I go a little farther, let me give you the litmus test on how you know you hold an unforgiveness. Whenever that person's name or that situation is brought up, you feel an anger or a down feeling inside of you. Your body begins to release negative endorphins and negative hormones. Hallelujah. You could be having a real, real good day, humming your favorite song, Walking through H-E-B on aisle 12 and that person that did you wrong turned the corner and you see them. And if you still feel all of that animosity and that anger, you have not forgiven that person. You just haven't seen them in a while. And they've been out of sight and out of mind. So true forgiveness means that if you can see that person or you can see that circumstance that you're angry about, and you can encounter it without all of those feelings of anger and animosity rising up that let you know that you've done true forgiveness. Hallelujah. Now let's talk about the three things that unforgiveness does in our life. The first thing is uh, unforgiveness, unforgiveness is a blessing blocker. It is hard for God to bring blessings into your life when your heart is full of animosity, anger, and frustration. So unforgiveness is a blessing block. Because once again, God cannot, it didn't say that he will not. It said that God cannot forgive us until we forgive those who have done us wrong. The second thing that unforgiveness does is unforgiveness is like a poison. Unforgiveness can kill. Hallelujah. When you're walking around constantly with all of these negative feelings inside of you, somebody needs to be listening to me, hallelujah. I know I'm talking to somebody today because you're walking around and, and you're full of animosity, you're full of anger, you're full of uh, hatred from the past or what people have done to you. And, and we can tell that you're still angry and, and, and unforgiving about it because anytime that person's name is brought up, there's a certain feeling. You, you, you was talking calm and, and sweet at first, but as soon as this person's name or that situation is brought up, all of a sudden your voice rises, your eyes get big. You even sometimes uh, get tense in your face, your face muscle, your facial muscles begin to tense up. I, I'm telling you right now, you need to let that person go because holding on to that anger and animosity on the inside of you is not doing anything to that person, but it's destroying and killing you. It could very well be blocking you from your next relationship where God has sent you a good woman, God has sent you a good man, but you can't receive them because you're so full of animosity and hatred over what happened in your last relationship. Somebody needs to help me by saying, let that go. Let that go. Because God has something for you in your future. And the reason I know that is because he keeps waking you up every day. So the next thing that unforgiveness does is unforgiveness gives access, legal access, into your life to the enemy, to, to Satan, to the devil. When we have unforgiveness in our heart, it will show by the things that we say out of our mouths. Unforgiveness is like a poison. And I guess Joseph must have, must have understood that because the true fact of the matter is, is that Joseph was done wrong. And sometimes in forgiving somebody, we act like what we're saying is we're wiping away that the wrong that they did. 
We're not wiping it away. The way that God constructed the human brain is honestly, we don't have the propensity to forget if we don't have uh, Alzheimer, uh, it was dementia is the word really for. If your mind is not in a demented state, or you have not contracted the disease of Alzheimer's, which the old folk call old timers, the brain honestly does not forget. It may take us a long time to recall it, but the brain, uh, that the psych psychologists say that we can remember things in our life far back as until we was three years old. So our brain has a, the ability to recall events that have happened in our lives. So I'm not saying, uh, you know the old saying is uh, forgive and forget. Well, it's not so much that we forget as much as we choose to let it go. And forgiveness is a choice that you have to make. And I'm not standing before you today implying in any kind of way that forgiveness is easy. I know that it's hard and I'm not standing before you today asking you to do something that I've never had to do in my own life. There are things and people walking this earth that have done me wrong. But for me to move forward in life, I had to let that go because they'll see what I understand is that person that I had grand animosity against, that person lives in put on. And see, I understand very well how God works and it's very possible that that person could come through those doors one day. And here I am, acting all holy and righteous in the middle of my sermon, telling folk how good, how good God is. And the person that I have animosity in my heart against walks through the door. And if I hadn't truly forgiven them, my whole sermon would change. It'll change the way that I begin to process the information that God is trying to put in my mind and in my heart. Because unforgiveness leaves us uh, with residue on the inside. And if you understand the way that we are constructed biologically. Uh, when I was in nursing school, uh, one of the first things they taught us is don't look at the body as a whole. You have to learn to look at the body on a cellular level. And I don't know if you know this, but each cell, there's millions if not trillions of cells in our bodies, and each one of them has an own brain called the mitochondria. Each cell has body parts just as our whole body has body parts. And I understand that in Christianity, I cannot no longer, any longer can I look at a human being just as a person. Because it makes it hard for me to forgive them. But if I'm able to look at every human being as a creation of God, I don't have to look at all of them as a child of God because they're not all children of God, but I do have to look at every human being as a creation of God. And if I hate a human being, I'm admitting that I hate something that God made. Hallelujah. And the only thing that I am required to hate that God made is the devil. Because you do realize that the devil is a created being. Hallelujah. So get hatred out of your heart. Allow God to fill you with love and joy and peace. You know the fruit of the spirit. Meekness. Hallelujah. And it's hard for God to fill us with the fruit of the Spirit when we got so much garbage inside of us. You ever tried to put garbage in your trash can in a trash can already full? You find yourself smashing it with your hand. Every now and then they got so much trash in it, you got to raise your foot up and try to smash it down with your foot. 
and God is trying to fill us with blessings. God is trying to fill us with love and joy, but it's hard for God to put it inside of us because we're too full of evil. We're too angry. Hallelujah. So we have to learn to forgive. Amen. Another word that God another word that God uses for forgiveness is salvation. And who is our salvation? No other than God's only begotten Son. In the English language, we call him Jesus. In the Hebrew, his name is Yeshua Hamashiach. And that name, Yeshua, literally translates into the word salvation. God's salvation. That's what the word, the name Yeshua means. It means God's salvation. So salvation, when we get saved, what that does, hallelujah, is because of us accepting Jesus as our propitiation, and that big word means substitute. We accept Jesus as the substitute for the punishment that we're supposed to receive for our sin. But how many of you know that in Isaiah 53 it says that he bore our, hallelujah, he bore our grief, hallelujah, he bore our sorrow. The chastisement of our punishment was put on him. You see, so the name God gave his son Yeshua, it means salvation. Now I want to say this real quick, and I'm not trying to be funny or disrespectful, but I don't know the definition of the, of the word Jesus. I wanted to throw that out there, and I'm going to move on. But the word Yeshua means God's salvation. And Yeshua, there's a lot wrapped up into Yeshua. And sometimes we do a disservice to the people that listen to us talk about being saved or salvation. Because I want to explain to you right now that nowhere in Scripture does salvation being saved imply that you will never sin again. It never says that. What it says is, is that uh, we are now removed from under the punishment and penalty of our sins by accepting Yeshua HaMashiach or Jesus Christ the Messiah as our Savior. We're no longer under the punishment and penalty of our sins. And I would like to pose this question right now to all the saved folk that's in the room, all the saved folk that's listening and may listen later on. I want to ask you this question. Yes, you are saved. We're not judging that at all. We try to teach the people here at Sabbath rest. Quit looking at what folk do and trying to uh, judge it according are they saved or not. And my question to you is, yes, you are saved, but you, you don't sin no more. So watch this, watch this. I'm going to tell you this so we can learn how to leave each other alone. Since you know in your heart that you got saved back in 19 whatever, 2000 whatever, and you know that God accepted you in, but you still sin, why don't you leave other folk alone? Because if they accepted Jesus, and they saved, and they may still have inadequacies in their lives, well, when you see my faults, don't assume I'm not saved. Just assume God's still working on me. But as soon as we like to see somebody who say they're a Christian do something that, 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 that may be wrong, first thing we want to do is critique their salvation. The farthest we can go is critique their lifestyle. But we can't critique their salvation because we didn't give it to them. God did. And God, God's word simply says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and that we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says, that we shall be saved. And not only is Yeshua our salvation, Jesus is our peace with God. And because of Jesus, we're no longer considered guilty of sin. Because of Jesus, we are now the righteousness of God. Somebody say right now. Because of Jesus, 
we are able to have a clean slate with God. People may remember all the things that you've done in your life, but I'm so glad that God said, because we accept his son as our personal savior, that he remembers our sins no longer. It says that our sins have cast far away from him as the east is from the west. Hallelujah. It says that he has cast our sins into the depths of the sea, never to remember them no more. Hallelujah. It's only because of Jesus that we can boldly stand before God. Hallelujah. It's only because of Jesus that we have access to the tree of life. Hallelujah. It's only because of Jesus that we have escaped eternal damnation, being thrown into the pit of fire and sulfur with the devil and all of his uh, evil angels. Hallelujah. So church, I admonish you today. Forgive those who have done you wrong. Let that pain, let that sorrow, let that animosity go so that God may be, be able to pour into your life. Hallelujah. Because if we don't forgive, we're forfeiting too much. And I don't know about you, but I want to see if the Bible is right. I want to really see if there's streets of gold in heaven. I want to see if there's a sea of glass. Hallelujah. I want to see if there's a tree with fruit that heals the nations. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to see it. And if all I have to do, to do is to forgive somebody who's done me wrong, I'm not going to let nobody keep me out of heaven. I'm not going to let what some other person do keep me away from God. So if all I have to do today is forgive, if you've ever done me wrong, I'm telling you right now, I forgive you. Amen. God has constructed my memory in such a way. My wife will tell you, my memory doesn't allow me to remember what people have done to me anyway, and I thank God for that. So it's easy for me to forgive. And I'm glad that this story about Joseph forgiving his brothers is in the Bible. <laughs> because we can see by this story that it's not as though people have not done us wrong. It's to prove the fact that God is good. And that if we God's children, he's able to wipe those things out of our lives so that we may start with a clean slate. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. There may be someone listening today who have never said yes to Jesus. You have not followed the directions of the Bible and the Bible says in Romans 10 and 9, or 9 and 10, it says that we must confess with our mouth. Paul wrote this several times in his letters that confession is made with the mouth. Our mentor, Dr. Wiggins, even taught us if we say things three times or multiple times, it gets down into our spirit and our soul. And God's word says that if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord. And if you believe in your heart, meaning that you're looking forward to it, if you believe in your heart, if there's a yearning, if there's a longing in your heart, that Jesus is truly Lord. And if we would make him Lord of our lives, God says we shall be saved. He says anyone that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want to give somebody an opportunity today to come into the family of God. You've never said yes to Jesus before for whatever reason. Deacon talked this morning in his class about conspiracy theories. And there's all type of conspiracy theories about the Christian religion. It's a white man religion. That's a conspiracy theory. Jesus had a wife. That's a conspiracy theory. There's no such thing as heaven. That's a conspiracy theory. Jesus and Mary Magdalene had a baby. That's a conspiracy theory. And don't get caught up in conspiracy theories. 
If we cannot look at this earth and its makeup and see that there is a God, there's consistency in God. Unless we have a physical disability, all human beings are made of iron, sugar, salt, carbon, iodine, sulfur, lime, calcium, and a whole lot of other uh, minerals, components, and we all have it at about 98 cents worth. The body, most human bodies, unless you have a, a modality in your body, most human beings have 263 bones. Most of us have 600 muscles. Unless there's a deficiency in our body, a birth defect. Human beings are born with 970 miles of blood vessels. 400 uh, uh, cups on our tongue so we can taste. 20,000 hairs in our ears to tune the sounds as they go in so we can hear. God has made us. God has continuity. The sun rises in the east every day. It sets in the west every evening. That shows consistency and continuity in God. The earth is spinning on its axis. It makes an orbit around the sun every year. And it spins 365 times to make a year, approximately. And if that within itself don't show you that there is a God, how do you think this thing stays together? The man and the woman can copulate and nine months later, they tell me about 42 weeks later, a baby gonna come out. How do you explain that? They're trying to convince you today that there is a real God. There's some things happening on this earth that no man has the power to do. So if you need to make Jesus your savior today so that you may be part of the family of God, let me give you an opportunity to do that. There may be someone you have been saved. But for whatever reason, you're going away from God. We want to give you an opportunity to come on back home. Rededicate to God. Don't even try to stop doing whatever it is you think. Don't even try to stop. Come on to church with your cigarette. Come on. Come on, come on, serve God while you're still drinking. Hallelujah. So don't start thinking of things that you need to straighten up first. Come on to God right now so that if Jesus comes, let me show you something. Let me, let me use these two examples real quick. The Bible says that if you sin with your right hand, you should cut it out. And if you sin with your, with your eye, you should pluck it out. He says, because it's better that you make it into heaven minus a hand than to not make it in at all. Did you? Y'all caught that? So in other words, God is not worried. He's really not concerned about these things, uh, the, as Paul said, that so easily beset us. He wants to save our souls. Bible says that it's God's will that all repent and come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen. So I want to pray with you right now. If you've never said yes to Jesus before, I'll be rededicating. Wherever you are, I want you to stand at your feet right now. Let us pray. Father, it is in the wonderful name of your son, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, we come. And God, we come believing in you, God. Have put in our hope, our faith, and our trust in you, God. That everything your word says, that it is true. We may not understand, but that doesn't mean that it's not true. And we even ask right now that you would help us to understand your word so that we may teach it correctly. And God, for those who have never said yes to your son before, they're standing on their feet right now, God, with earnest expectation that everything that your word says, God, that it is true. And if that's you right now, if you need to accept Jesus as your Savior for the first time, I want you to repeat after me. Father God, I thank you. Father, I love you and I trust you. And I confess my sins and my faults right now, God. And I turn from them right now, God. I repent right now in Jesus' name. 
And God, I ask right now, Father, that you would accept me into your family. Yes, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead, and God, you said that if we would say that, you said that we would be saved. So we thank you for salvation today. There may be someone who needs to rededicate, and I want to pray with you and pray for you right now. I want you to repeat after me if you need to rededicate. God, I thank you. I thank you for forgiving me. I repent of my sins right now. I confess them all to you right now. And yes, God, I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord and that you raised him from the dead. So I thank you, God, that you created repentance where we can come back to you. And we come back right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let us give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Yeah, I'll tell you, he's all right. Hallelujah. Let us prepare to leave. Have our benediction. Father, we thank you. We love you, God. We trust you. And we know that you have a plan to send your son back to this earth real soon. And God, we pray right now. We stand in intercession for all the violence that's going on in our, in our country. And God, we pray right now that your will be done. And Father, if this is not you reaching out to us, we pray that if it's demonic by nature, we pray to you that you would stop it right now. But if it's your will and your plan, God, we pray that your will be done. So we thank you, Father, and we love you and we trust you. Now as we prepare to leave this place, but never from your presence, God, as always, we ask that your Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with each and every one of us, both now and forevermore, and let all of God's people shout an amen, amen and amen. Hallelujah, 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 amen, amen.